0: What a great reminder. I feel like I've been to church already, right? Amen. You know, Rach and I were talking this week, right, that that we have a tendency in church world to talk about uh, the part of the service we just did is the worship time, and the part of the service we're about to do is, we, we sort of imply that it's not, but the whole thing is worship, isn't it? Right? Because we're learning of God in the whole thing. And we're surrendering to God in the whole thing. And we're seeking God in the whole thing. We're elevating Jesus through all of it. And uh, Rachel, thank you for that beautiful reminder. Thank you. Very much so. Uh, I guess I'm confessing I forget that sometimes, don't you? that God still answers prayers in big ways. It's good to know. It's good to know. So we're in a series called Summer Hacks, right? That, that life has lots of little things you can learn, tips, things you've figured out along the way to uh, make summer easy, to make summer more simple. You know as well as I do, life has no shortcuts. Uh, but as we're studying in this series, there is such a thing as wisdom. And I told you guys I would come with a, A summer hack every Sunday. So before we jump into our Bibles today, I want you to think about this. Another thing you can do with a pool noodle. Check this out. Let's say you've got water all over the floor in your garage. And you've got no squeegee. You have an instant squeegee. Right here, right? You, you just need to cut off a piece of pool noodle, right? Shove this down in here like this, and you've got a squeegee ready to go. That was worth the price of admission for church today right there. I mean, all the people who didn't come, think about what they missed out on to not know that a rake and a pool noodle makes a squeegee, right? But uh, it moves water pretty well. So you give it a try sometime. Let me know how it works. But don't take this rake. I think it's the church's. <clears throat> we don't want to lose that. But give it a try. I am told that that works really well. So summer hacks, right? We're, what we're really doing in this summer hack series is we're trying to say that very, very clearly, again, life has no shortcuts. But the wisdom of God is a way to skip the distractions and the detours and the destructions, the messes that we create in our own lives. James chapter 3, we were there a few weeks ago, says the wisdom that comes from heaven is first of all pure, and then peace-loving, considerate, submissive, full of mercy, Full of good fruit, impartial, and sincere. Peacemakers who sow in peace reap a harvest of righteousness. So we talked two weeks ago, really, about why peace matters. right? That, that, and why wisdom matters. That, that wisdom, again, helps us skip the detours and the distractions the destructiveness we create in our lives. And today I want to talk about how to gain more wisdom. And again, I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to most of the time say there are no shortcuts, but there really sort of is a shortcut when it comes to wisdom. In fact, I'm going to end up telling you by the end of today that wisdom is often gained through life experience. You know this to be true, right? Right? if if you reach out and you grab a hornet's nest you're going to learn pretty quickly not to reach out and grab a hornet's nest right that there's a reason you don't do that when you see ants red ones particularly flying out of the ground not flying but you know coming out of the ground everywhere you pretty well know to walk around that place right that life experience has a way of teaching you often through the hard way. What does it say about us, by the way, that we have to more often than not learn it the hard way? Right? Right? Exactly. We're proud. Right? And so wisdom has a way of helping us not keep making the mistakes over and over and over again. But we often have to learn it the hard way. That wisdom can be acquired through life experience. But if Life experience is the only way I acquire wisdom. Think about how much hard stuff I'm going to have to bump into. How many many lessons I'm going to have to learn because I refuse to learn from others, because I refuse to acknowledge God, because I refuse to see that anybody else knows anything. If I'm the arbiter of all things... That I'm going to have to learn it the hard way over and over and over again. And you know as well as I do, there's, there's a difference between wisdom and knowledge. I was reading a funny story about Albert Einstein. This thing I was reading said it's true. I'm not exactly sure. But we'll go with that it, it's true. When you think of the most intelligent people who've ever lived, one of the first names that will pop into your head is probably Albert Einstein. Right, He may have uh, originated the concept of a bad hair day, but he was highly, highly intelligent. So I was reading this this incident from Einstein's life that occurred while he was on a lecture, a lecture tour of our nation's universities where he was presenting his theory of relativity. And Einstein didn't have a driver's license, which is kind of interesting, right? Uh, this, this guy who knows so much, but he didn't know how to drive. So he had a chauffeur who went with him everywhere he went. And the chauffeur was saying to him one day as they were heading off to some university, he said to the brilliant scientist, you know, I've heard this lecture so many times, I'm pretty sure I could give it myself. And Einstein took that as a challenge. And he said, okay, how about we do this? This next university we're going to, they've never seen me before. So how about you put on my clothes and I'll dress as the chauffeur and I'll introduce you as Dr. Einstein and you introduce me as your chauffeur and you give the lecture. Well, the chauffeur said, okay, let's give it a shot. And he delivered the speech on relativity, relatively flawlessly. And Einstein, sitting in the back, just soaked it all up, just grinning and smiling from ear to ear. But then something happened that the two had not considered. The moderator of the lecture looked around the room and looked at his watch, and he said, you know, we have 15 more minutes. That's just enough time to ask some questions. Anybody have any questions for Dr. Einstein? And one of the professors in the audience asked a rather complicated technical question involving higher mathematical formulas and questioning Einstein, who was the chauffeur, of course, on on how this really worked. And the chauffeur thought to himself for a moment and then quick on his feet, he said, Sir, the solution to that problem is so simple. I'm surprised you'd even ask someone like me. I mean, anybody can answer a question that's that simple. To prove it, I'm going to have my chauffeur come up here and give you the answer to that question. (laughs) Einstein's intelligent, but you could say the chauffeur had some wisdom. Or at least he was quick on his feet. You know, knowledge is abundant in our world. They say... They used to say, when I was younger, that knowledge doubled every so often. You know, like like back in the 1800s, they'd say knowledge would double at a pace at about a a century or so. And then eventually, uh, by World War II times, knowledge was doubling every 25 years or so. And uh, by the 80s and 90s, they'd say that... Knowledge doubles maybe every two years or so. And these days they say that, that the amount of knowledge in the world, the amount of information that we have is doubling at such a rapid pace that it can double even in a day. Right? And This is why all you hear about in the news these days, all of a sudden, like the world got done talking about COVID and now all it wants to talk about is AI or politics. Right? That's the only two things I hear about, AI, politics, sometimes the war in Ukraine. Knowledge is abundant in our world. Wisdom not so much. And if you think about the difference between the two, and there there are a lot of differences, but if you think about the difference between the two, knowledge starts with the simple and moves to the complex. And so I think about in my educational world, right, and all the years of, of you know school and then college, and then everything beyond that. We started with very simple concepts, ABCs, 1-2-3s, right? Math eventually had letters and numbers. Eventually, I got to the point where I wasn't sure I understood any of it, letters or numbers, right? I I took uh, college, I took uh, Koine Greek, which is the language the New Testament is written in, Right, we started with the basics again. Right, it was starting with the basics of the Greek alphabet, and from there we began to form words, and we began to learn words. And eventually, you got into basic grammar. And there was a point, a couple of years in, where I thought, okay, you know, I sort of have this. I can't speak it; it's a dead language, but I can somewhat read it. That this is that I'm, I'm getting this down, and then somewhere in seminary I took another Greek class and it was like everything you think you know, let's show you what you don't know and what's still ahead, right? And so knowledge works that way. It works from the simple to the complex. Wisdom, on the other hand, often works the other direction. Wisdom takes the complex and brings it back to real simplicity. Right? It takes the, the, the moments that are overwhelming. The moments where we can't figure it out because there's too much to figure out. Wisdom brings us back to what is simple. Proverbs chapter 4 says it this way. Proverbs chapter 4. We'll start in verse 9. If you have your Bibles, you might turn with me there. Actually, I'm going to start in verse 5. Proverbs 4, verse 5 says, get wisdom. And by the way, this is Solomon, the son of David, who's writing these Proverbs as a collection of wisdom to his son. If you you see that back in verse 1. Listen, my son, to a father's instruction. Pay attention, gain understanding. So verse 5, get wisdom. Get understanding. Do not forget my words or turn away from them. You know, Don't you think there's a moment in every parent's journey where they're saying that to their kids because they know that their kids are not listening? <laughs> Do not forget my words. Do not turn away from them. Do not forsake wisdom and she will protect you. Love her and she will watch over you. The beginning of wisdom is this. Get wisdom, though it costs you all you have. Get understanding. Cherish her, and she will exalt you. Embrace her, and she will honor you. She will give you a garland to grace your head and present you with a glorious crown. And he goes on, listen, my son, accept what I say. I'll instruct you in the way of wisdom. The years of your life will be many. There's much more. To this, but I simply want you to see that in many senses, Solomon is trying to say to his own kids wisdom is worth pursuing at any cost. And wisdom is, as we've said, the ultimate life hack because wisdom helps us. Do the right thing, not the wrong thing. Learn the right way, not the hard way. Right? Proverbs twenty-seven, twelve: The prudent see danger and take refuge, but the simple keep going and pay the penalty. Wisdom helps me make better decisions if you think about it. Wisdom distinguishes right from wrong. Wisdom distinguishes what is precious from what is worthless. Wisdom distinguishes what matters and what doesn't matter in life. Wisdom prevents regrets. Wisdom makes life work the way God intended. Wisdom points me to God and God's answers. Verse 8 says, cherish her. One of the other translations says, prize her highly and she will exalt you. She will honor you for your embrace. You know, to prize something is to embrace it as a sign of desire and love, that we have to value wisdom, that we must be willing to sacrifice in order to gain it. And I think hinted at there is this secret about how to acquire more and better wisdom at a faster pace in your life. We'll get into that, but what's hinted at there is the willingness to really desire it, and then put it into practice. So where do I get more of this wisdom? Because again, you can learn the hard way. Have you, by the way? I mean, you could come up. We're not going to do that, but you could come up. We could open a mic up, and you could give story after story, couldn't you? Of The hard way when someone told you, you should steer clear, right? Someone told you, you shouldn't go forward. Someone said there was an advisor, there was counsel, there was someone, there was a parent, there was a teacher, there was someone, there was a pastor who said, you know, this really isn't a good idea. And you said, but I know better or, or it won't happen to me. And you went ahead full of steam and crashed like everybody else. We can learn the slow way and the painful way. But what if we could accelerate our growth in wisdom? What if we could be wiser, in a sense, faster? Faster? Solomon says, get wisdom, get insight. I don't think he means go back to school. That's not to say that there's a problem with school or that school is a bad thing. It is to say that he's talking about something deeper and something better. And I would remind you that Solomon's source of wisdom, some of you know your Bibles better than I do, Solomon's source of wisdom was God. Exactly. You you probably remember the story. 1 Kings chapter 3, 1 Kings chapter 4. I'm not going to read it, but let me summarize it for you. David had made Solomon king. And he had to do it fairly haphazardly because another one of... Of David's sons was trying to take the throne. So he make, David makes Solomon the king. And Solomon, it doesn't say how old he is, but our best guess is that he was probably in his very late teens or maybe 20 at best when he was made king. Now, when you were 18, 19, 20, Were those your wisest years? Yes, yes. Yes. uh, You never know more in life than you do somewhere around 18, 19, 20, right? Right? In fact, the older I get, the less I know. I think I said that a couple of weeks ago. He's 18, 19, 20, somewhere in there. And God shows up to Solomon right after he's crowned king in a dream. And, and he says to so- God says to Solomon, ask for whatever you want me to give you. And Solomon says, you know what? You have made your servant king and place of my father David, but I am only a little child. And, and that's been interpreted sometimes to think that he was actually a child. But, but I, I really believe what's going on here is he was expressing humility. And he was expressing what he didn't know, which is actually unusually wise for this age. He said, I am only a little child. I don't know how to carry out my duties. Your servant is here among the people you've chosen, a great people too numerous to count or to number. So give your servant a discerning heart to govern your people and to distinguish between right and wrong. For who is able to govern this great people of yours? And the Lord was pleased, it says, that that's what Solomon asked for. And because that's what Solomon asked for, God said, here's what you didn't ask for. You didn't ask for the death of your enemies. You didn't ask that you would be rich or be the wealthiest person alive. You didn't ask for honor. You didn't ask that you would have no equal among kings. But since you asked for a discerning heart in administering justice... I'll make you like none who has come before you. And Solomon was given wisdom. He was also given riches and honor. And If you know anything about Solomon's life, you know that Solomon acquired a great mass of wisdom, much of which is collected for us in the book of Proverbs. But you also know that it's at least possible that Solomon also wrote the book of Ecclesiastes, where we get things like, everything is meaningless. And if you know anything about Solomon, you know that he didn't always live a godly life. Which gets me in the direction I want to go. Solomon's source of wisdom was God. But if you and I want to accelerate The wisdom in our lives, the best path to more wisdom, and this is the one thing today, the best path and the fastest path to more wisdom is to look at life and live it. And it's the and here that's so significant. To look at life and live life from God's point of view. It's not enough to know what to do. It's quite another thing to do it. And if you and I want to acquire more wisdom faster and more simply than any other method, this is the secret. To desire it. To desire to do it. The best path to more wisdom is to look at life and actually live it from God's point of view. That is to say that I need Jesus in my life to have God's wisdom, to have God's perspective, to have God's thoughts. I need Jesus in my life because on my own, I don't have God's perspective or God's wisdom or God's thoughts. And I need to seek Jesus in my life. But I also need to put into practice the wisdom that he is bringing to my life how often do you and I know the right thing to do we just don't want to and so this requires an ability and a desire in many senses to change one to change my thinking Two, to change my want-tos and three to change my behaviors right a change in my thinking My thoughts, my perspectives, seeing it from God's side, seeing life from how God would see things, a change in my want to's, a change in desires, a change even deeper in my motivations so that my motives are Jesus's motives and a change in my actions That in my actual choices, in my actual behaviors, in my actual treatment of people, that Jesus is showing up, translated from thought and perspective to desire and motive to behavior. So that what I'm actually doing is treating people the way Jesus would treat them. Not to say you and I are Jesus. Let's be clear. You and I don't become God because we have Jesus and get his wisdom. But we acquire wisdom at a much faster pace when we're learning and living the Jesus life. When we're seeing and treating people the way Jesus would treat them. This doesn't sound like anything different than what I often say, right? That we're here to love Jesus with all our heart and soul and mind and strength. That we're here to love our community the way Jesus loves our community. That we're here to love one another the way Jesus would love us. And I simply want you to see that if we would think it, desire it, and live it put it into practice we'd be there so much faster and proverbs is this collection of these short blunt statements of truth that expects express a general truth about life and i must not only know the right thing to do that comes from this i've got to actually do it again think about solomon Solomon, on one hand, this great depositor of wisdom. On the other hand, he's led astray in various ways. He's, he's got a, a harem. You it, it, it's, it's, shouldn't have a harem. It doesn't matter the size. You don't need a harem. It was not God's way. Solomon didn't always put into practice... The wisdom he'd been given. And scripture warns us about this, right? James chapter 1 says, Do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves, but do what it says. Anyone who listens to the word but does not do what it says is like someone who looks at his face in a mirror and after looking at himself goes away and immediately forgets what he looks like. But whoever looks intently into the perfect law that gives freedom and continues in it, not forgetting what they have heard, but doing it, they'll be blessed in what they do. Matthew chapter 7, Jesus was teaching. Do you remember this from the Sermon on the Mount? Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who built his house on the rock and the rain came down and the streams rose and the winds blew and beat against the house and yet it did not fall because it had its foundation on the rock. But everyone who hears these words of mine and does not put them into practice is like a foolish man who built his house on sand and the rain came down, the streams rose, the winds blew and beat against that house and it fell with a great crash. The difference between the wise and the foolish man there were not in what they knew. It's what they did with what they knew. Another way of saying this is that you and I often choose our blind spots. That we have them, but in many senses we choose them. You know, I'm driving down the road, I, I have at times, right, started to make a lane change, and Marcy or one of the kids or whoever's with me, right, will say, whoa, you know, because I didn't either check my blind spot, or I did, but I couldn't see that there was a car there, right? But how foolish would I be to never look at my blind spot knowing that it's there? And so advisors are people we actually pay to be in our lives. You want your golf game to be better? You go to a golf instructor. And your golf instructor says, Hey, your driver's working pretty good, but you really got to work on your short game. Let's spend some time on putting. Putting, that's a waste of time. Who cares about putting? Only the people who win. Right? So you spend all your energy at the driving range on the driver... Never work on your, you're paying somebody to give you advice, but you ignore it. We go to therapists, we go to counselors, we go to personal trainers, and we say, help me be stronger. And they suggest certain things for us. and We think, yeah, but who's got time for that? Who has not been to their doctor and have their doctor give them the talk about diet? Right? Every time I see a doctor, there's some BMI index thing hanging on the wall. And I'm convinced you have to be like Gomer Pyle to have the right BMI. Right? That you have to be tall and skinny and built thin. Do you you know what I mean? Right? And so I go to the doctor, annual checkup, and my doctor will say, Brian, let's talk about Yeah 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 yeah. Right? Right? This is the conversations that we end up thinking, yes, someday I'll get to that. Someday I'll do that. Marriage counselor tells you that that you need to work on your listening skills. That as a man, you go too quickly into fix it mode with your wife, that you ignore her feelings and emotions. Man will think, I have no earthly idea what he's talking about. The wife knows. It's very easy to end up thinking that the wise people around us don't really know what they're doing. Or they know what they're doing, but it's just not a priority in the moment that there'll be time and we can get to that someday. At some point, Solomon stopped living the wisdom he'd been given so I want to very practically walk back through this. And I just want to say again, one more time, where can I find more and better wisdom? And I want to be super practical about this. By more, I mean quantity and volume. By better, I mean quality, like the real thing. And I've got to just say that it starts with Jesus. That i got to get my wisdom from Jesus. Now, notice that I'm saying that it's this is first. This is foundational that this is this is the bedrock when we don't live the Jesus life and we say, you know what, I, I'm not really interested in God's perspective. Or I'm interested in it, but I'm not really interested in doing it. I am essentially saying, I want to learn the hard way. I am essentially saying, the hard way is the path I choose. That that it is pride in me saying, I know better. I am the exception. And so it takes humility to begin in this place. In fact, humility is where we'll get to next week. But it starts with getting wisdom from God, specifically getting wisdom from Jesus. And think about when Jesus was young. And there's that verse that says, this is like the verse that describes Jesus growing up, Luke 2.52. And Jesus grew in wisdom and stature and in favor with God and man. Right? One minute, Jesus is a baby. And we're reading our Bibles, and the next minute he's like twelve or something of that. And you and I are going, "Can we? Can we know more?" Jesus grew in wisdom, and stature, and favor with God and man. Think about how how valuable it would be to really have God's perspective. Over and over, the book of Proverbs speaks of the fear of the Lord. Proverbs 9.10, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom and knowledge of the Holy One is understanding. Proverbs one seven: The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. Proverbs three seven: Fear the Lord and shun evil. Proverbs eight thirteen: To fear the Lord is to hate evil. Proverbs nine ten: The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. Proverbs ten twenty seven: The fear of the Lord adds length to life. Proverbs fourteen twenty seven: The fear of the Lord is a fountain of life. Proverbs fifteen thirty three: The fear of the Lord teaches a man wisdom. Pro- you get the idea, don't you? That it starts with a certain relationship with the Lord, and this for us gets complicated because because we hear fear of the Lord, and we go, yeah, but that didn't fear that. It's not a word I really like. Is it saying that we're supposed to tiptoe around God? That we have to walk on eggshells? That God is the crazy person we never want to set off? That God's like a bomb waiting to go off and we've just got to approach cautiously because you never know when God's just going to blow up on you? That's not the kind of fear this is talking about. This is talking about honor. This is talking about reverence. It's talking about awe. And respect. This is speaking of God as though God is sacred and you know you are not. And this really questions, do I respect God enough to want to know His opinion? And even further, do I respect God enough to actually put it into practice? To want to know his opinion and want to do what he says. James chapter 1 verse 5 says, If any of you lacks wisdom, you should ask God, who gives generously to all without finding fault, and it will be given to you. But when you ask, you must believe and not doubt, because the one who doubts is like a wave of the sea blown and tossed by the wind. It's very clear that God is the source of, that Jesus is the source of all wisdom. This is part of why I'm always saying to you, read your Bible. It's also why when I read my Bible that I discern what this part back here is saying through the life of Jesus Christ. Number 2, I need to get wisdom from my Bible. This probably goes without saying, but how am I going to know about Jesus from my Bible? But you know what else I have in my Bible? I have the very thoughts of God. I have the principles of God outlined for me in my Bible. And not only do I have the principles of God, there are a lot of wise people here. Jesus and Solomon are not the only people with wisdom in my Bible. I think about Daniel. I think about Joseph. I think about many others, right? Some of whom didn't always live the good and the right that they knew to do, but they had the principles of God. And I would be wise to learn from them. Another way of saying this is that if if I'm reading my Bible and I see that Daniel learned a certain, certain principle along the way, and I learned from him, because he learned the hard way maybe not to do something, or he learned from God the right way to do something, and I learned from him, then I not only get to learn from my own mistakes, I get to learn from Daniel's mistakes. And not only do I get to learn from Daniel's mistakes, I get to learn from Daniel's relationship with God, where he downloaded wisdom from God. But I have to be in my Bible to get any of this. Psalm 19, verse 7 says, The law of the Lord is perfect, refreshing the soul. The statutes of the Lord are trustworthy, making wise the simple. I have the principles of God right here. If I just want it and do it. Daniel chapter 1 verse 20. In every matter of wisdom and understanding about which the king questioned them, he found Daniel and his associates ten times better than all the magicians and enchanters in his whole kingdom. Daniel got his wisdom from God. Just like we can. So I get wisdom from Jesus. I get wisdom from my Bible. Number three, I get wisdom from wise people in my life. You say, well, how do I know who the wise people are in my life? Hint, they're the ones following Jesus. Get wisdom from other wise people in my life. And God puts people in our life on purpose. It's no accident that the people in your life are in your life. You say, "But but Brian, not everybody in my life is wise." You're right. You're right. You say, but not everybody in my life is following Jesus. You're also right. And when you look at other people, you can even see when they're professing it but not living it? You see that, don't you? We're kind of blind to it in our own lives, but in other people we see it. You think about the value of what God's given us in each other in the community of faith. you need wisdom? Look around the room. Right? Some of us learned it the hard way. Some of us learned it the Jesus way. Some of us have learned it both ways. The community of faith is powerful if we'll learn to listen to each other. One of the things I love about Harvest is that we're a multi-generational church. Right, That you start with the oldest generations among us, and we have people in their 80s and 90s. And we have people in their 60s and 70s. But we're also a church that has people who are children, the littles. Right, We have kids, and we have teenagers, and we have college students. We have 20-year-olds, and we have 30, 40, 50, 60-year-olds. Everything in between. It's like a deck of cards. We have all the generations represented in our church. There's value in that. It's very popular these days in church world for people to run off and say, but I want everybody at my church to look and act just like me. And so, you know, there are megachurches across America that are filled with only one generation or another. And sociologically, we know that people tend to prefer to be around people who are like them. So you end up with, among other things, churches that look alike, age alike, think alike, And vote-alike. What are we missing? By saying I'm only going to hang out with people who are exactly like me. And what kind of presumption am I bringing to the table about me and my generation and the wisdom we have Proverbs 13, verse 20 says, Walk with the wise and become wise, for a companion of fools suffers harm. Have you ever looked around and thought, you look around You 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 have questions about who are the wise people around you in your life, and someday you, you come to wake up enough to realize that That maybe you're supposed to be one of those wise people for everybody else. You begin to feel that responsibility. Of course, as I've said all along, number four, you can get wisdom from life experience. Wisdom from life experience. This is the slowest and most painful way to acquire wisdom. But Proverbs says, Proverbs 6, verse 6, Go to the ant, you sluggard. Consider its ways and be wise. I love the wisdom of kids, of children. You know, kids have a way of seeing things sometimes and even seeing faith quicker than we adults do. Our world has plenty of knowledge and lots of education, but not always a whole lot of wisdom. And Sometimes wisdom can be picked up from even the youngest among us. Patrick, age 10, says, never trust a dog to watch your food. How do you think he got that? Michael, age 14, when your dad is mad and asks you, do I look stupid? Don't answer him. He also said, never tell your mom her diet's not working. Randy, age 9, stay away from prunes. Lauren, age 9, felt markers are not good to use as lipstick. (laughs) Eileen, age 8, never try to baptize a cat. Joel, age 10, don't pick on your sister when she's holding a baseball bat. Some time ago, I heard this phrase that said, don't just get through your day, get something from your day. Right? That there's always something to be learned. That wisdom is looking at life and living life from God's point of view. The bottom line is, I'll grow faster in wisdom when I learn to think more like Jesus. This is our last blank, I believe. Yes. Yes. I'll grow faster in wisdom, the bottom line. I'll grow faster in wisdom when I learn to think more like Jesus. Back in the prophet Isaiah, the question was asked, Isaiah 40 verse 13, Who can fathom the Spirit of the Lord? Who can instruct the Lord as His Counselor? Paul picks that same verse up in 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 16, and he, 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 he twists, translates it slightly different, but he says, Who has known the mind of the Lord so as to instruct him? And the answer is, there's, there's no one who knows the mind of the Lord so as to instruct him. Paul says, yes, 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 yes. humanly, no, but we have the mind of Christ. That we have the mind of Christ. And I'll grow faster in wisdom when I learn to think and act and behave and love and show grace and compassion and kindness the way Jesus did. Can I pray that for our lives? You need a little more of that? Anybody? We always end our service with two prayers. The first is a prayer of salvation. The second a prayer of application. The answer to salvation is not be wiser or figure it all out on your own or even be good enough. The answer to salvation is Jesus, plain and simple. It's what he's already done for us when he died on the cross, when he rose again. And the question really begins, the starting place for all of us is, will I humble myself enough to say, I need Jesus and all he offers? So maybe today you would say that with me and pray with me like this, Dear Jesus, I humble myself before you, and I confess my pride and my sin, and I ask you to forgive me, And take over my life and be my God. Jesus, I put my faith in you. I believe you died and rose again. And since you're alive, take my life. Take over my life. And change me so that I'm like you. In Jesus' name. Amen. If that's you you prayed to receive Christ today, I'd love to know it. Maybe it's here in the room and you prayed that for the very first time. Maybe it's online and you prayed that for the very first time. I'd love to know it. You can tell me on a digital communication card or a physical communication card. You can find me after service. Uh, You can call us up during the week, right, at the church. Phone number is 541-343-1840. You can email me. I'm brian, B-R-I-A-N, at com. I'd love to talk more about that. If you've already prayed that prayer at some point in your life, you became a Christian some time ago, but you realize there's a disconnect in your life between knowing and doing, and that you need some change in the want-to department, Would you pray this prayer of application with me, dear Jesus? I'm confessing that more times than not, I build my life on my own experiences. So I'm turning to you, and I ask that you flood my life with your wisdom, with your mind, with your thinking, with your spirit. Help me to know your perspectives and put them into practice. Change my thoughts. Change my want-tos. Change my actions and choices. Jesus, change me. And make me wiser like you. In Jesus' name.